Good morning. I'm mystery writer Pamela Fagan Hutchins and you have found me on Wine Women in Writing. This is the show where I talk with other women writers about their authentic, complex female characters. And if we're lucky, we do have a little oversharing and irreverence and find out where some of these characters um, were based from and, you know, real life stuff, the fertile imagination of the authors. We'll dig into that. If you want to support women in writing, and I hope you do because there are some great ones out there, please visit my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com. You can check out past and future episodes of the show, and you can link to subscribe to have the free podcast delivered automatically to your own device so you never miss an episode, which is super cool. And you can also pledge your support to the show. If you do it, no matter how little, I'm going to give you a shout out. So this week, the love goes to Lone Star Literary, Christine Hall, the owner, and Michelle Newby Lancaster. Um, bonus, you can find my USA Today bestselling mysteries there as well. And I really am excited to tell you that you can now pre-order the Kindle version of my new novel, Switchback, which comes out next month, or grab the paperback, which is out now on Amazon. So on to the good stuff, you guys. My guest today is Glenda Burgess, and she's on to talk about her new novel, So Long As We're Together. Welcome, Glenda. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. I'm in stormy, stormy Dallas today. Where are you calling in from? Uh, the Pacific Northwest, actually, uh, specifically the Inland Northwest, which is along the panhandle of Idaho and about 100 miles south of Canada. Oh, nice. I think that I drove through near there one summer when I was a book touring going from Bellingham and trying to head back east. And I think we got lost somewhere in there and it was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of mountains and a lot of lakes. <laughs> <laughs> totally beautiful. And is it, um, is it sunny and beautiful there today or is it more Washington, Washington, Washington Idaho-like and raining? Um, no, our side of the state is very four seasons. So we get the classic fall and winter. Today it was 15 degrees but we have a blue sky. <laughs> I love that. I love the, the real change of seasons, which of course yeah. we don't get really in a traditional sense in Dallas, but we do get cold rain. <laughs> I, was, um, I was doing a little bit of online stalking of you after I read your wonderful book, which we're going to talk about at length in a minute. But I was really impressed to look back on your journey to where you are out and now as a novelist, where did it all start for you? Well, I've always been a writer. I mean, from the time I was tiny, um, always kept a journal, always made little poems, little stories. In fact, one of the jokes in the family is that the first paycheck I ever received was for a poem submitted to a local newspaper and I was paid a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Big box, man. <laughs> Well, it's about the same rate today's dollar. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. For those that listen to this show, they've long heard the the lament of your heart is what takes you into art. It's it's not the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> so you started out as basically a freelance um, a freelance columnist there at the ripe old age of very very small girl. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then I took a, you know, sort of a, 
a solid left turn into my other predominant interest at the time, which was international politics and um, went to graduate school in government and then ended up at the State Department in my career for a good number of years before I decided that uh, I really wanted to give more of my time and heart to novel writing. So I made a, a mid-career shift, which I think is not too unusual for um, women these days. We do so many things from parenting to careers to elder care. We pretty much manage it all. Isn't that the truth? And it's exciting that we get the opportunity to make the choices, but sometimes it's so exhausting. Yes, yes. I mean, I was inspired by a book by Margaret Mead's daughter called Mary, um, called Composing a Life, and the author is Mary Catherine Bateson. And she talks about the unique strength of women in particular to reinvent themselves as circumstances require. Uh, she says men are much more likely to be socialized to function in a linear fashion, fashion where they start at point A and then they retire at point B and then they're at a loss of what to do and how to reform and how to reinvent themselves. Whereas women are constantly forming these parts of themselves like beads on a necklace as circumstances require, whether they're college years or their young married years or their parenting years or their career years. They just keep adding these beautiful beads of experience to the necklace. And she said, you know, at the end, most of most of us have this experience that's multifaceted, and women in particular have the ability to continually revision who they are and what they want to be. And that gave me the courage to make career change in my late 30s and think seriously about what I wanted to do in writing. That really resonates with me, and, and not only as a woman but as an author and why I'm so drawn to female characters and the ways in which female characters really change it up for us. You know, there's so much ground, fertile ground to write with them about. And so not to shift on you too abruptly, but I found the female characters in, um, in so long as we're together to be maybe a version of the women that were in kind of that stage in their life where they're questioning a bit. Um, so tell us a little bit about So Long As We're Together. Oh, sure, gladly. The, the two protagonists um, are twin sisters and the story is mostly told from the point of view of Marley. Marley is the songwriter to her sister's singing vocal diva. And the two sisters grew up on the road, a family band, city to city, gig to gig, kind of getting by in an odd and eccentric, eclectic way with their, their mother, Donna. And the concept that I began with the two characters was to place them at a point where they've been in the business. They're both in their 40s now. They've had this sort of dork and intense meteoric rise within country music. And they're beginning to think, what next? At least Marley is. Marley is the one who kind of followed along in her sister's spectacular shadow. She's the one trying to decide 
if this is the kind of music and the way she wants to live her life going forward at almost 44, or if she wants to make some changes that might impact the family, her sister, the band. And it's interesting to me that if you look back in their shared history with their mother, that their mother was a master of reinvention um, at roughly Marley's age herself. Uh, in fact, that was a, a strong part of the past that was tumultuous and shaped them was her mother's reinventions. Oh, I totally agree. Yes. Um, I'm glad that you saw that thread in there because their, their mother was basically someone committed to survival. And regardless of what the circumstances were that she found herself in, she had this capacity to re-envision it, follow a new thread, take care of her girls, survive, get on to the next thing. And I think the, the strength that in the example of that is present in both Andy and Marley. But in particular, the girls at this point in their lives are wondering if they're not just in some way living out their mother's dreams. It, it, living out their mother's dreams, and then it's not a spoiler to say that very early on, the um, you know the the, the events that, that rocks their world is that this mother, who is the as you said, she's the she's a survivor. You know, she morphs to survive and to continue to give um, herself and her daughters, uh, you know, a chance. And she takes her own life, and it just rocks Marley to her core. Yes, yes. It's, they don't understand it. It makes no sense. Um, it, it occurs in the place that their mother loved absolutely the most, which is another major character in the novel, um, this cabin right in the North Lake. And so the girls have to contend with the fact that they don't understand what's happened. It a lot of their childhood is a mystery to them. And is it possible that there's something in the past that is responsible for their mother's decision? And at the same time, the pressure of their own careers, of being on the road, of touring, of producing uh, successful albums, is beginning to push both girls to think about their bond together without their mother now and where they go forward from here. It's interesting, this idea of, of forced creativity that they're facing and where it com comes from and how, as you said, how it, how it forges their partnership and where that takes them now. So it was resonant with me as a writer who is constantly on to the next, you know, <laughs> the next deadline that a struggle that Marley's having to satisfy Andy's need for just write me that next good thing. You know, you owe it to me. Just write me that next good thing. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking about this wonderful series that has been on with Ken Burns and the, the country music, American country music saga. Um, the documentary explores um, what I found fascinating for me in writing this novel um, and Marley as a songwriter is that what country music is, is about stories. I mean, 
When asked why he was doing this documentary, Kim Burns replied, well, it's the stories, isn't it? And I thought, exactly, country music is all about stories. Um, there was a, a, I overheard in a restaurant the other day, someone say just off, off the wall, my heart is a bar. Now, that just instantly caught my attention because oh, it's yeah. such a good title for a song or a novel. And I could see Marley sitting down and going, here's how it might go. Pull up a stool. What brings you here tonight? Heartbreak, friend. I'm here for a low bass note and a forgetting song. I love that. And, you know, as you as you travel along with Marley in this book and her journey, and Andy is asking for a certain type of song, the stories that Marley is living out are not that song. And the songs that she's starting to piece together. And I, I don't know what my favorite part of this book was. There was a lot of parts I really loved. Um, not the least of which is that you're telling a suspenseful story. You're exploring love through the language of music and your prose is so beautiful, but I digress. <laughs> you know, I just kept stopping and, and, you know, highlighting passages on my Kindle and showing them to my husband. But one of the things I liked best as a plot point were the little notes that their mother, um, you know, just snowballed, blizzarded their life with. And when Marley goes back to, as you said, this character, this house, this setting um, on the lake, those notes are there in her face. They're her mother and all her mother's stories in these cryptic little phrases. And I just loved that. Yeah, I loved the idea of being able to take Donna's creativity and have it be a springboard for songs, as you know in the novel, that that um, Marley takes some of those ideas and begins to come up with the songs that she needs for this next album. Um, I think so often that's how we are when we're creative. An idea occurs to us or we hear something or we write a note down and then we begin to create linkages and we begin to see a vision connecting in some of these um, disassociated ideas. They come together in this sort of amazing way. I really liked um, being able to talk about creativity this way, how the sisters do it differently and how they bring it together and about the ability of music to sustain and transform our lives. And also to some degree, and, and this is particularly true for Donna. The power of place for those who wander. I mean, the Lonesome Road is a place of heart and geography. Yeah. It, it's yeah, after a life of wandering, you know, Donna finds this one special mm-hmm. place and, and ultimately takes her life there. It was, there, you talk about layers, you know, just. Donna in and of herself was a book, um, you know, the, the hidden story of Donna. And in fact, that ends up driving the book. But with this book in particular, what were the sticky notes in your life that led to the story that, that started, started you jotting down ideas and making these linkages? Oh, what an interesting thought. Um, well, one of the sticky notes was a memory from the past of my, my dad who was um, a military officer, so we moved a lot in the military, deciding somewhere in his 40s that he wanted to teach himself to play guitar. 
he absolutely loved Hank Williams. And I just had this memory as a child of him buying this old guitar, sitting down, teaching himself the chords, and bringing this music into his life um, all on his own, you know, just, just as this project that he was doing personally for himself. That was one sticking out, the, the power of music and what brings people to music and what the stories are that, that people are drawn to. Um, perhaps another sticky note is the, the unknowability of some of the people we love the most. And this is probably how I feel about Donna, that to the very end, she's an unknowable individual, her own reasons and rhymes for living we can sort of loose out and we understand more of who she is and why she does the things that she does but she has this sort of magnificent uh, unknowability and the girls have to come to terms with that at some point and I think all of us have these people in our lives that we try so hard to understand and eventually have to just accept love without ownership you don't you don't own their story but you can love them anyway right exactly and it was also interesting to me that here we have these two identical twins with this shared background this shared genetics this shared talent in music yet in many ways it manifested itself in polar opposite behaviors for them that identical is is not always the same path and we have um, Marley who is resistant to commitment and who is self-destructive in her own ways and you have Andy who is serially <laughs> committing <laughs> and destructive <laughs> totally different ones so that was a really interesting glimpse into women as well yeah, I think I think we do handle um, I think we do handle stress. We handle um, childhood wounds differently. We handle um, a lot of our personality is formed around the way we express dealing with challenges in life. And I think Marley is very much because of certain things that happen to her that are part of the plot line. Um, brittle. She's, she's deep within her own core. And part of what's happening for her in her 40s is this desire to come out and own her space and be the person that she has wanted to be and step out of fear. And Andy handles her own stress in life by being bigger than life. She embraces all of it. She makes the world her stage. She makes everything a performance. And for her, it's coming back to the quiet moment, to the sense of who she is when she's not on for an audience. The, um, the thematically, as you're writing, are you one of those writers that writes with a thematic um, thread in line, or does themes sneak up and find you? Uh, a phonetic 
Uh, thematically, does themes sneak up? Sorry about that. I think that we just experienced one of the weaknesses of um, technology communicating <laughs> between our two locations. But theme, do you write toward a theme or does it sneak up and find you? Um, I usually have the theme in mind. I often, many writers will say that they have the end in mind. I usually have the beginning in mind, and the beginning contains the theme for me. Um, and then what happens and how I get there is a grand surprise. It's as much an adventure for me as someone reading the novel for the first time. So I never know where to land. <laughs> that can be, it can be exciting and it can be frustrating as well. Which is it more for you? <laughs> Uh, well, it's, it's a bit of both because, as you know, as a writer, once you get to reviewing and revising what you've got down on the page, you see all the cul-de-sacs that you've gone down that, that don't serve the story, all the false starts, um, you, you know, reel these in and edit them out and you begin to find the real energy in the narrative. You begin to find where the flow is and then it becomes extremely exciting because the characters are established in this space. They own this space and they begin to create around the narrative things that you wouldn't even have imagined that are completely authentic to the story. I think that's probably, you've nailed my very favorite part of it. I always feel like, and I am not a, a visual artist. I can't paint, I can't draw, I can't sculpt, but I feel like a sculptor at that point, that something yeah, is revealed yeah. to me. Yes. I always so agree. Yeah. With um, with this novel, it would be remiss if I didn't bring up that it has a strong suspense element and an undercurrent of the impacts or the long-lasting impacts of obsession. And so I found it to be this wonderful cross between a very lyrical literary read of exploring themes of, of family, sisterhood, daughterhood, but also suspense. It was a page turner. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I tried, I tried very hard to um, create this story in a, in, a, in a limited number of days. It, it occurs within a week. I wanted to bring several issues to head at once. And I wanted the reader to feel that where they were with these characters was going to take them from one place to another place, and the journey would be a thrill. And I, I feel that um, good writing has to have these elements of interest. It has to have these elements of flow and the narrative has to pull you through the pages. And it's more than just having the ability to put a good sentence on the page. You also have to have a sense of, of what, what entertains, what brings people forward, what gets them interested in what happens next. And that sometimes is a real challenge for many of the writers that I work with that are starting out this idea that in the end, you're developing a relationship with a reader that they'll want to continue through the end of your book. And it that relationship to me exists from very early on when you're putting it on the page that you're doing this not just to create, but also to 
involve yourself in someone else's experience and experience they'll want to continue. So it's, it's a neat relationship to me. And I love how you put that about creating it in a way that will interest and propel them through the pages. You did it with me. I honestly came into this. Um, I hadn't read your previous novel and I came into this not knowing anything about you or the book. And I get a little jaded. I get handed a lot of books for review and for the show. And so sometimes I'll sit down and think, oh, okay, I have to read this one. I opened up this book and by, you know, the first couple of pages, I was just, I was delighted. So I want to thank you for that, for sharing that journey and experience oh, with me. Thank you for sharing that. As you know, that's, that's what we write for. <laughs> my, my heart is happy. Thank you so <laughs> I'm glad. Now, what are you going to delight us with next? What's your current project and next up? Uh, it's, a, it's a saga that takes place across three continents. It will be a wine mystery. Um, I like to write about art and the process of art um, in some of the characters that are in every novel. So this will involve a chef and a sculptor and a wine theft during the 1940s that becomes sort of the, the curse upon the family and the future of the family vineyard. Wow. It's, it's, it's a big story. <laughs> it's a big story. And is it, okay, so the, the mystery itself was, uh, it was historical. Is it being told with the, uh, also in the present tense with the impacts on the family, you know, in the future that resonated yeah. from it, or is it purely historical? No, it's, it's, it's present tense throughout because we, we are following the two main characters um, this couple through three generations. Um, it's a search for forgiveness, for redemption, for creation of some form of healing within a family that has been ripped apart in the process of fighting for the vineyard, fighting for the land, the hidden secret that's involved with this wine. And so we follow the, um, these two people through the majority of their life, from when they meet to their old age. Sounds wonderful. I look forward to it very much. And it's uh, the it, heart. do I? It's called the prodigal heart. The prodigal heart. Okay. And it'll come out in 2020? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So this is the exciting point in the show where if you could see me, I'm holding up my two fingers. I'm doing my Girl Scout pledge. This has been a copyrighted and solely owned production of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And I want to thank our awesome um, ringleader and producer, Pam Stack, for giving us the ability to produce these shows and, in my case, to shine a light on wonderful female authors and their great um, female characters like we've done today with Glinda and her so long as we're together um, protagonists. I want you guys to consider going out and making a pledge to support female authors on my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com. You'll want to go to the Wine, Women, and Writing page. And read ahead for next, uh, actually two weeks from now's episode, Carrie Ann King and Everything You Are. But first, if you haven't already, I highly recommend you pick up your copy of So Long As We're Together and catch up with the show that we've gotten to enjoy today with Glenda Burgess. So Glenda, 
Thank you so much for being with me today and for your wonderful book. I'll look forward to um, the next one very much. I'm delighted, Pamela. This is a beautiful venue for showcasing books and authors, and I'm honored to have been invited. Oh, I, well, come back next time with your next book. And thank you out there, listeners, for joining me on the adventure. And uh, go out and have a good book this week, why don't you?